What's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And it's Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Dot G Show from 803 to 904, the best show on the radio. You did. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the co-hostess that plays the flyest, raddest, sickest virtual golf you have ever seen. Word. Dave Burles Berlin. Straight Doc. My gosh. How about that shot, huh? My Did gosh. you like that? Did you, was that was that a couple takes? Or was that just the yeah, first take? Well, so, the, as far as swing-wise, I was doing pretty much what I wanted to do uh-huh. on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that my camera lady was messing up. Oh, okay. Oh, come on! Okay. So, because I wanted it to show the whole screen as far as... Yeah, you had to see the shot. The yeah. numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The shot with the, with the numbers. Yeah, I um, gotcha. And I wanted to be close to the pin, so I want, I'll say it took about five shots. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that yeah. I mean, not all of those were you. Nope. Like you said, that was, I mean, some of them were just as good. You just had to retake because you had to get the numbers. Understandable. Exactly. Understandable. Exactly. For uh, everyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, which is everyone that's listening, yes! Dave got a new virtual golf game, do you call it? Practice? I don't it's know. A, it's a, a simulator. Yeah. It's a simulator. War- it's simulator. called the OptiShot 2. There we go. And... It's uh, it's the cheapest, you know, most economical golf simulator. Okay. The way they kind of get away with it is, um, the laser uh-huh. reads the the club itself. Oh, okay. So it says, "Here's your speed. Hmm. Um, here is your uh open face angle or closed face yeah. angle. So how is it hitting the shot? And then it projects." Um, it does, you know, it has an equation, and then it would guess what the ball does in flight. Okay. Um, so as far as like, if I would hit it left or if I would hit it right, it's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, they say it's like within like a degree or two mm-hmm. um, of either way. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but if I like cold top one, or if I like duff it and I I hit the shot super fat, mm. like they would have really no idea other than my club slows down. Mm. Well. For all the listeners that like out like golf out there, that was informative. So true. So yes. I don't know yes. how many of those there are. Five percent, ten percent, maybe a hundred. Maybe everyone's a golf fan. Everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. I nope. have no idea how many golf lovers we have out there. But Dave, I wanted to talk about something. I was thinking about this the other day. We talked about it, and mm-hmm. me and Jake talked about it as well, actually. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of people out there have been saying uh, 2020, crazy year. That's right. You know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. In fact, we had a story uh, with me and Jake about Stefina, who's a 103-year-old lady, uh, St. Louis, who said it's the craziest year she ever remembers. Right? <laughs> So I started well, this thinking. This the only year she remembers. <laughs> I started thinking. I was like, "Is it dementia joke? Is it is it the craziest year ever? Is it? Is it? You know?" I, I, I was like, mm, mm. "And you know what I've decided, Dave? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's, that's what I've decided. Oh. It's not the craziest year. Okay. It, it's not by a long shot. In fact, 
It didn't even make my top five of craziest years in recorded history. Nope. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There are so many Not even things. the top five. Yeah, Dude, I don't know. No, well, no, no. I'll have to hear your yeah, rationale, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, we yeah, can yeah, argue. Yeah, let me, before before you start in, let me, let me, now, now, granted, we still got four and a half months left. Things get a lot nuttier in four and a half months. <laughs> Trust me. It could get a lot worse. Straight. We could wake up tomorrow, and I'll completely change my list and go, you know what? Number one. Yes! Number one. Yes! Uh, but let, let me go down. So uh, here, here's my, uh, I'll give you the four that beat uh, the four top that, that beat every other year. We've got 1918, mm-hmm. 1349, mm-hmm. 1945, mm-hmm. and 536. Mm-hmm. Those are the years that all beat 2020 out for craziness. Now, I could go into some uh, lower level ones, but those are the biggest ones. Now, let me go through these. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll try to go through them pretty quick. 1918, okay. pretty nuts year, mm-hmm. Dave. Uh, first mm-hmm. of all, the first 11 months of that, uh, 100 countries of the world were involved in the First World War. Pretty... Yeah. That That's that's a pretty insane thing. Pretty severe. That's pretty insane. On top of that, the worst flu pandemic in history rose up that same year. Jeez. Uh, all right. So they got a... That's what I was thinking. Anything that had a war and, a, and like, the flu or some virus or something... Yeah. 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 So a, a minimum estimate of the flu pandemic there, 50 million worldwide wow. lost. Sheesh. Right? Right? First of all, like I started thinking about it. I was like, can you imagine being one of those infantrymen in Europe like during the 100-day offensive? Like I'd be like, hey, guys, right. I know we're trying to stop Germans and all. But uh, anybody want to talk to him? See if you want to like we want to hold off on this for a couple months. Hmm. Is this uh, flu thing needs to get under control? I mean, so true. It's kind of hard worrying about my sanitation and proper hygiene when uh, I'm getting shot at and uh, tear gas shoved into my eyes. It's a little tough. I'm just saying, <laughs> everything's trying to kill me right now. Not cool. <laughs> not cool, guys. Like that's that's rough. That is not a good situation, Dave. So. 1918. That's my number four. That's my number four. Okay. Number three, 1349, Dave. 1349. Mm. Now, in 1349, Mm -hmm. a bacterium known as uh, Yersinia pestis, better known as the Mm -hmm. Black Death, started popping up all around Europe. Ew. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, uh, this eventually killed at least 25 million people. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. What are we at with the coronavirus right now? Uh, like, a, a, like a couple hundred thousand. I don't think it's even, it's, it's, it's right over a hundred thousand. We passed a hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not Jeez. anywhere close to those numbers. And that's the low estimate for black death, Dave. The high estimate for black death is 250 million people. Wait, what? Which was close to over half the world's population at the time. Right, I was about to say, how many people could have been on the world at that time? Wow. Now, this is how devastating it was. It took roughly 150 years to reach the same population that the world had before the Black Death. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So obviously, uh, this was also way before humans understood disease. 
you know? They had no germ theory mm -hmm, at that mm -hmm. time either. So I was thinking, like, can you imagine how utterly terrifying that would be? Yeah. Like, hey, I heard uh, I heard uh, the town's having a meeting. Do you know what we're, we're talking about in the town meeting? Uh, well, the three towns that surround us, it seems everyone has become ill, and their body rots away until they die. What? And it seems like it's headed to our town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have absolutely oh, no geez. idea how to stop it. Girl, come on! Um, but we're going to try to burn some virgins at the stake, see if that works. That's our first idea. What? Keep, keep them away. If anybody has any better idea, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Like, it's crazy! So that's number three. Number two on the list is 1945. Now, mm -hmm. 1945 was the last war, uh, year World of War World War II. Almost mm -hmm. every single country in the world was somehow involved in World War II. 190 countries were somehow involved. Not all of them had troops. Man. Not all of them were doing things like that. But 190 were involved. So that's insane. I mean, that's literally like yeah. the whole world, essentially. That's why they called it a world war, I guess. That makes sense. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> May May 8th comes around and the Nazis surrender, right? So that's good. Everybody's pretty okay. pretty jazzed about that. But the, yep. uh, the Japan's just like, eh, we don't care. We're not stopping. We're, we're Japan. We're not giving in, no. right? So then on August 6th and August 9th, we dropped two atomic bombs. America killed mm. roughly 120,000 people with one bomb and 80,000 people with another. Jeez. Two bombs, over 200,000 people instantly gone. Like, Man. just think about anyone around the world at that time none of them have heard about nuclear bombs they've heard maybe whispers about these things and then somebody walks mm -hmm. up to him and goes hey did you hear us dropped a bomb on japan instantly killed 120,000 people what like everyone's like huh? <laughs> mind blown like that's in the whole world just turned on a dime on that first day, like, what? Things just got real serious here. This is bad. Like, crazy. Crazy. So that's number two. Still got mm -hmm. number one, Dave. And most Dang. historians agree this this year was the craziest. And, and I can see why. That's year 536. So, 536, a massive volcano in Iceland erupted and spewed oh, tons and tons and tons of volcanic ash into the atmosphere. So mm -hmm. much that it actually caused pretty much all of Europe, all of Africa, and all of Asia to be in a dense volcanic fog Jeez. that made the world dark for literally 24 hours a day. Jeez. For two years. I never heard that before. Yeah. For two years. It was just dark. Just unreasonably dark. Like, it led to mm. extreme cold temperatures. Obviously, all, mm -hmm. like, a bunch of plant matter died, which led to starvation mm -hmm. and led to other animals dying and led to humans dying. Like, mm -hmm. 
Just imagine, with no understanding of science whatsoever, all of a sudden one day you wake <laughs> up and it's essentially nighttime everywhere. Right. Like, dang. Man. Like, can you imagine? Ma I couldn't even imagine. No. <laughs> can you imagine being in that year talking to a friend like, hey, hmm. you remember when we had a we had that giant light called the sun? So true. That was good times, man. Yeah, so cool. Like, you could actually see things the back then <laughs> instead of it being dark now. You actually knew when to get up and when to go to sleep instead of just guessing like we do now. Oh, man, that was nice. Oh, and all of our crops were alive back then instead of being dead like now. That's a fact. That was good. That was also good. Like, just crazy, man. Remember we got to eat? Yeah. Plus, I know it's not the most important thing in the world, but ever since it went dark, everybody's been mistaking me for my brother. That's pretty annoying. Girl, I'm just come saying. On. Other oh. downsides. <laughs> Like, but I mean, just honestly, those four years way surpass the craziness right now. I'm just saying. Yes! So there you yeah. have it, Dave. The four worst years yeah. on record. I think after... It could be, it could be worse. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exa I think after looking at those years, 2020, maybe a, little, maybe a little tiny celebration that we're not in total war or complete darkness. Am I right? Sweet. And you know what else they didn't have those years? What? Hmm. The Doc G Show. Oh, gosh. So perfect, Dave. So perfect. Let's fire it up, man. Fire it up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Dave, I've been getting excited about the band today. Oh, man, the band. We have got Crownlands. Ooh, who we got? New rock okay. band out of the Toronto area, Oshawa, if we're being specific. These fellas, Very nice. they are some rockers. Yes! And on top of being rockers, they're just nice dudes. So true. They're just... That's, just, like to, that's the type of music that we like. Exactly. Just two nice fellas that really rock out, you know? And we're going to have mm -hmm. one half of the duo, Kevin, their guitarist. It's it's going to be good. That's why I'm excited. Very excited. Uh, but first, Dave, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. All right. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay, I'm going to tell you up front, Dave. First one. Mm-hmm. Easy. Mm -hmm. You got it. Okay. 98%. Okay. The next nice. two, not really sure. Oh. Not really confident at all. It drops right off. I tried to find okay. some I tried <laughs> to find some good ones, but I mean, I know uh -huh. both of these are not in your wheelhouse after this one. So take advantage of the first one. Okay. All right. Here we go. Born on July 15th, 1990. In Oakland, California, our birthday suit wearer from a young age loved basketball. His sophomore year of high school, he trained... Damian Lillard. Oh, wow! Wow! Whoa! Nicely done! Man! Woo! Man! You got that off of Oakland, California? In 1990? Oakland and basketball. And yeah, the age, yep. Man, impressive. Well, let me let me read his stats here. Uh, his sophomore year of high school, he transferred to St. Joseph Notre Dame High School, the, the same high school that Jason Kidd went to, yes! but he nice. didn't get any more playing time than he wanted. So he ended up transferring again to Oakland High School. 
His senior year, he averaged 22.4 points a game and 5.2 assists, but he was only a two-star prospect coming out of high school. Girl, come on! However, Crazy. Weber State offered him a scholarship, and so he went to Weber State. That's right. As a redshirt junior, he was the leading scorer in all of college basketball for most of the season, ended up being the second on the scoring list with 24.5 points a game. Wow. He went to the NBA in 2012, was drafted sixth overall by the Portland Trailblazers. In his opening game as a Portland Trailblazer, he scored 23 points and 11 assists against the Los Angeles Lakers, being one of only three players to do uh, a game with at least 20 points and uh, 10 assists in their first game. The other two being Mm. Allen Iverson and Oscar Robertson. Good company. Good company. Yeah, Uh, no kidding. Since then, our birthday uh, suit wearer has went on to be Rookie of the Year, five-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA player, and a rapper that owns his own label called Front Page Music. Mr. Damian Lillard. Mm. Yes. Yes. Probably the best rapper in, in the league right now. I'd I would say. say. I would say. He's got some pretty smooth lyrics. Dame Dollar. Yeah. Dame Dollar. Turn Dame Dollar. Turning the big 30. Jeez. 3-0. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Trainte. Trainte. Impressive. Live it up, Dame. Not in the bubble, right? They didn't make the playoffs? I do, yeah, he was one of the few, I think. One of the few teams. So he's... Living it up outside of the bubble. Enjoying the offseason. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Okay, Dave, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. All right, uh, this first story I found pretty funny. And uh, it was in a couple of... uh, It was in a couple of uh, um, news outlets... Other than the big ones, but the big ones found it, and so they 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 propped it up. And this is from yeah. the Washington Post here, uh, Dave. Since uh, you know, restaurants have reopened around the world mm-hmm. after being closed for the quarantine. Uh, many businesses mm-hmm. are finding it hard to make customers follow public health rules. So true, you know. Yeah, a little tough. Imagine that. A little tough. Now, obviously, one of the big concerns uh, are the actual employees of a lot of these places mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they're worried because they're constantly being in contact with all these people well uh, a bar in london came up with the uh, with a new idea to keep people in line so uh what was that? the star inn in cornwall england mm-hmm. they're having a real tough time getting customers especially to stay away from the actual bar and far enough away from the employees on the other side of the bar. So, mm-hmm. the landlord of the bar, Johnny McFadden, decided to try something that he's uh, seen work before. He installed an electric fence. Wait, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He, he Really? <laughs> yes. He told he told uh, the newspaper. He said most of the time it's turned off. It's just a deterrent, but hopefully the sight of it will keep people away. That's how it works with cattle too. So true. Yes, yes, it does. Oh my god, it definitely <laughs> does. You know, I get the funny part is I can just see the customer that's had like twenty six beers in two hours. 
just sitting on top of the electric fence like it's a bench and somebody being yeah, like, feel a thing. isn't that shocking you? Listen, lady, the only thing shocking me is the beauty of your face. That's a fact. You want to make out? <laughs> no? All right. All right. I'll, I'll talk I to you later. Walking. Like, yeah, I just, I was like, man, it's a good idea. And he said it's been working. But when you got people with alcohol, might might become a problem. Just saying. Could become a problem. Almost anything becomes a problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave, over the past several months, uh, videos have been going going viral. Am I right? A lot of videos going viral. People having... Videos always go viral. But people having outbursts of the, the pandemic. Uh, racist. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Racist people outbursts. You know? Yeah. The lot of them. Quarantine's gotten the best of them. And uh, every time it seems like they don't know that it's going to look bad when other people watch the video. Like, they don't have that realization. Well, this happened again. They're like, oh, you can record me. Go ahead. Exactly. Just keep going. Yeah. This happened again on Monday. And this time, this one's like not really, it doesn't really fall into any of those categories. The racist category or the the pandemic category. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is more just of an older angry lady. Like, I, I think mm. she may just be angry. I think she may be angry at young folks and could be gay folks as well. I'm not sure. Maybe. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but it's pretty... It's pretty interesting. So, uh, not too surprising. It was an older white lady. That's a fact. Eh, that seems mm-hmm. to be the the going rate for who keeps getting videoed. Um, but anyways, this vi- this video was posted on the internet, and this lady was pulling into a, a mall into an electric car charging station. Except mm-hmm. she had a Hyundai Elantra. Yes. No nice. electric car. <laughs> and because this is 2020, of course... Somebody started filming her as she was getting out Mm -hmm. of the car. Now, apparently, right before this video started, the person tells her, hey, you're an electric car spot. To which, at the start of the video, she responds, oh, please, take this. And she turns around and starts spanking her own butt. Wait, what? um, Okay. Yeah, (laughs) right? She then starts muttering to herself, uh, punks who think they own the world can't believe it, right? She, You can hear this in the video. She's like, punks thinking they own the world. Mm. And then she walks back to her car, pulls out her own phone, and she's like, I can record too. I can do that too. And by this time, oh two gosh. security guards are entering the situation, right? Word. She mm. then goes uh, charging up to the man recording, says, you're disgusting, and I'm so sick of these young people who think they're all that? You go on Grinder and do hookups. What? You show every part of your body and you have no self-respect. What? No, oh my goodness. None whatsoever. Oh, man. She then tells the security guard that the guy filming is not her boss. And the security guard just looks at her and is like, um, but you are in an electric car spot. And you're legally not supposed to park there unless you have an electric car. That's a fact. <laughs> Which this lady then quietly Did moves her car. <laughs> so, oh, okay. like, at least she didn't resist at that point. But like, I just, I was so. Uh, first of all, how does this lady know about Grinder? What's going on here? 
Yeah, like, that, I, I, I can understand if you throw out Tinder or something. Wh- but Grinder, like, you know what you're talking about. How does she know? And, like, does she think everybody under the age of 30 is on Grinder? Like, hmm. I just, <laughs> I secretly suspect this lady is, like, catfishing everyone on Grinder, and she acts like, like a 23-year-old gay dude from Idaho on the weekends, and she's like, hey, what's up? That's a fact. How are you? <laughs> I think that's what she's doing, and that's why she threw it out there. It's just my, just my conjecture there, Dave. I don't know, but mm. I'll be honest, the video didn't, it didn't come out looking too good. It did not nah. did not make her look good. I'm just saying. The Karens Karens never end up looking good it's, after those videos. It's not That's good. Uh, Dave, warning. The next headline fired Uh-oh. me up. Jeez. Uh oh. It really fired me All up. Right. Uh, I'm it, ready. It's from Mike.com. M-I-C.com. Uh, okay. Quote: If you hate cats, you're not alone. And there's a real explanation as to why. Wait, what? End quote. Oh my gosh. That fires me up too. Like, I don't hate cats. I'm not like... Yeah. I'm not like, oh, cats. But yeah. I'm not like, oh, all cats need to die. Yeah, exactly. No, just you a person. Exactly, Dave. You know what my response to that headline is? If you hate cats, f*** you. No. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Does my response seem unreasonable? Kind of like it's unreasonable to hate a benevolent animal. That's right. What, right. What is wrong with you? Like, seriously, you'd probably think I was pretty insane, too, if I came on the show and was like, hey, guys, you know what I really hate? Rhinoceroses. God, those things suck with their horns. Yeah, people would think you were crazy. Exactly. Like tough skin. Yes. Exactly. Like, I'm telling you right now, listeners, unless a cat your sister and burned down your house, you have no right to hate so it. So true. Okay? No yep. reason. Yep. You and, and and then I went on and I read the article. Right. I was like, okay, wh- what mm-hmm. what did they have in this in this article? This is what they validated hating cats with. Um, one, because people tend uh, that tend to like cats or get cats have slightly different personalities uh, from dog owners. Wait, what? Mm. What? What? Second. Because they have more fur dander than dogs. Girl, come on! Oh my gosh. And three, because they eat birds. Blam. Those literally were their three reasons that it's okay to hate cats. Nope. First of all, never, you, you prefer something. Like Dave said. These are arguments to prefer dogs over cats. So true. Not why they should be hated. There's a big difference between preference and hatred. I'll show you the difference. Exactly. I prefer Jersey Mike subs. That doesn't mean I hate Firehouse and Jimmy John's. Nope. On the contrary, I celebrate all three. I will party we with any one of the subs. Okay? Right. If and, and all three of those reasons, if you hate cats because you have a personality that prefers dogs, then just get a dog and don't worry about hating cats. That's all you got to do. And if you yep. hate cats because you're allergic to pet dander, then hate your stupid immune system, not the animal. Yes. All right. And if you Boom. hate them because they eat birds, then you definitely don't want to go to KFC. So true. Because you do not want to know what they're doing at that restaurant if that's the reason you hate cats. All right? Right. <laughs> or you killing a cow or yeah. killing and eating a pig. Like, yeah. 
Any time, honestly, I've heard someone say I hate cats and I ask why, I have never actually heard a reason that comes anywhere close to a reasonable answer. So true. It's always like, eh, it's because my aunt had this cat when I was a kid and it always like hiss and scratch me. Yeah. Mm. It's because you were an annoying, loud, hyperactive kid. If it were well, so yeah. If it were socially acceptable, I would have done the same thing the cat did. That's a fact. But it's not. So yeah. I can't. Right. All right? Or, oh, they're always looking at me with those judgmental eyes. Yeah. Kind of like you when you said you hated them. They're doing the same thing. Look in the mirror, person. Mm. Okay? Mm. In synopsis, unless a cat framed you for murder or poisoned your uncle, you have no reason to hate them. So All right? true. Just say, I'm not a fan mm. of cats or I prefer dogs. End of story. Jeez. That's it. Girl, come on. Jeez, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. It got me hyped. That guy, that guy, you got you worked up. Got me very hyped. Let's go to a less, uh, a happy story. I got a happy story Let's here. Let's do it. Uh, this next story is from uh, The Sun, Dave. And uh, we've, we've talked about it before on the show since the uh, pandemic. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. senior citizens in retirement homes, they got it pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah, man. They're sort of they're sort of sitting ducks. They can't really go anywhere. They have depressed immune systems. It's not a good situation mm -hmm. for them. Well, the folks of Sidmar Lodge Care Home in North London, they haven't let it ruin their fun. Word. They have they have found a fun activity to do that has electrified social media. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, so Ro is that? Robert Specker, he's the activities mm -hmm. coordinator at the retirement home. He came up with an idea that the uh, the uh, the the folks in the old home should recreate iconic album covers Sweet. except with the residents of the retirement home uh, and then put these album covers on Twitter, and everybody loves them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they've uh, they've recreated Madonna albums, David Bowie album covers, uh, The Clash, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, Blink One Eighty Two. Although I think my favorite, I think my favorite that they recreated, they did Taylor Swift's nineteen eighty nine album, except oh uh, the resident that did the cover was ninety eight. Mm -hmm. So the title was 1922 19, instead of uh, instead of 1989. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. It's pretty solid. Now, uh, to keep this project going, Robert Specker uh, started a GoFundMe with a goal to raise mm -hmm. 2,000 pounds. Happy to say, mm -hmm. already met their goal. There we go. There we go. There we go. Nice. So iconic I'm albums. I'm going to talk to my activities director about that. Yeah. Yeah, iconic albums will continue at Sidmar Lodge Care and hopefully, like Dave just said, spread around the world. Pretty good. Any any album requests, Doc? Mmm. Give me a, give me a little bit to think. I'm I'm gonna think of a okay. good one. I need to I need to. You can you can tell me next week. Yeah. I, okay. I'm writing it down. Follow up. I'm following okay. up. There we go. Okay. That's a fact. Uh, Dave, we got one more story before uh, break here. Um, mm -hmm. Next story is from the Great Falls Tribune. Uh, mm -hmm. Dave, have you ever done trail running? Ever got down on some trail running? Hmm. Is that where you just run on a 
Yeah, instead of running, trail. yeah, instead of running on like a road, yeah, yeah, yeah. just uh, going out yeah. to uh, a national forest or something, get a trail run going. I've done a local park. Nice. No, that's good enough. <laughs> um, yeah, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially if you get out there in the bigger forest, in the bigger national mm-hmm. parks, it can be a little dangerous. That's a fact. You know, you can trip on a root, fall over a yes, rock. I've done done that before. You can get lost. You know. I, I did not do that, luckily. I've done all three. Um, but I've got to say... That surprise me for some reason. <laughs> I've got to say I've never had to worry about what the lady in our next story did. So, Oh, man. Lady in uh, Kalispell, Montana. Kalispell, mm-hmm. Montana. She went out for a trail run this past weekend on Saturday morning. Nice little... Nice little yog with friends. She went out with two other friends. And uh, Montana's got some crazy trail runs. For sure. For sure. She went out to the uh, Huckleberry Lookout Trail, which is funny because near me in Virginia, there was a Huckleberry Trail that I used to run. But it wasn't actually like a real deal trail. I mean, it was a nice trail, but it was paved. So, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. She's on the Huckleberry Lookout Trail. She was running with t- her two ladies. Uh, her two lady friends were ahead of her on the trail, right? And mm-hmm. she comes mm-hmm. around, and they were about four miles into the run when the lady ran in to a grizzly bear. What? Oh, shoot. Literally <laughs> turned Dang. the corner Oh, like hit it right into it, just oh. head on into oh, the bear. God. Yeah, yeah. Both the lady and the bear fell to the ground. Like she was like, I'm like, man, <laughs> you had to have some momentum to knock a bear over. Like exactly. And when the bear got back up, it actually ran away. It was like, what the crap? I'm out of here. What is oh, who's hitting me? Interesting. Right. Yeah. I gotta be. I gotta admit, if I was this lady. After that uh, incident, I would definitely go mm-hmm. around telling people I fought a bear and won. That's a fact. Like, oh, a thousand percent. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. One time I was on a trail run, this bear wanted a piece of me. I tackled it, it ran off. No big deal. <laughs> sort of what I do. It's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tough like that. But, like, I mean, honestly, how do you not avoid a bear? They're pretty big. Like, you got to be pretty. Yeah, like, even turning a corner, I don't know, like, how sharp you're going where you can't. You got to be pretty zoned out to be, oh, crap, what? A bear? Nobody told me one of these things was here. Like, what? They're big. Like, how do you do that? That's, right. I mean, man. But luckily, she's okay. No injuries. The bear was fine. It hear. ran good off. Good to hear. So we're good. Uh, Dave, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest, Crown Lands. Very good song right here. Very excited about this one. This is Constant Motion off of their second EP. We will be right back on the Doc G Show.
Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP, 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave? Hmm. Guys, do us a favor. Mm -hmm. Stop what you're doing right now. Unless you're driving or doing some surgery or, you know, whatever important tasks that Mm -hmm. you can't just stop in the middle of. If you're doing surgery, get the scribe to write this down for you. Just do that. So true. Right. Get someone to write it down. Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. Go to your apps and download the podcast. Mm-hmm. Podcast downloading app. Yep. Download the Doc G Show. Mm-hmm. Give us a five-star rating and say something nice to us mm-hmm. that you like that we do. Yes. Thank you. Then follow us on Instagram yes. at Doc G Show. True. And check out the website, www.docgshow.com or the docgshow.com, whatever you prefer. Yes. Doc has the entire schedule thus far Boom. laid out for you. Boom. So you can see what artists yes. we have coming on. Yes. Or comedians or yes. whatever he's got wrapped up his sleeve. Yes. yes. Lots of things. Yes. Lots of things. Yes. Yes. No idea ever. Nice. Nice. Yes. Dave, it is time to celebrate those listeners right now in some shout outs. Shout out. Okay, let's start with the regulars. Here we go. First off, of course, right. Jacksonville. We Duval, give it up. Shout Duval. out to shout out to everywhere shout in the out. in the Duval County. We got everywhere around and all the other counties around Duval. Clay and yes, sir. And, and and yeah, we don't even need a St. John's and uh Baker <laughs> County and everywhere. All of them. Anyways. Columbia, South Carolina, shout out to the Gamecocks. Shout out. Gainesville, Florida, shout out to the Gators. Radford, shout Virginia, out. 
Shout out to the Highlanders. Dublin. Ireland. Shout out to our Irish brethren. Shout out. Let's go. Boardman. Oregon. Shout out to Boardman. Shout out. Becoming one of our regular West Coast listeners. Yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina, Queen City. Shout out to you guys. Charleston, South Carolina. Shout out to you guys. Barcelona, Spain. Another international regular. Yes. Ashburn, Virginia. Shout out to you guys. The Star City, Roanoke, Virginia. Shout out to you guys. Louis, uh, uh, Kenner, Louisiana. Shout out to New Orleans. Madison, Tennessee. Shout out to you guys. Mountain View, California. Our original West Coast connection. London, United Kingdom. Shout out to you guys. Orlando, Florida. Shout out to the NBA bubble. Yes. Peoria, Illinois. Shout out to you guys. Genoa, Italy. Shout out and welcome. Brighton, United Kingdom. Shout out to you guys. And lastly, the newcomer on the regulars, Bristol, Virginia. Shout out to you guys. Boom. Okay. Okay. It's a good list. It's a good list. Keeps getting longer, and that makes me happy. This is getting big. Yeah. And diverse. Yeah. So true. Semi regulars, Dave. Here we go. Uh, Heavy, heavy on the semi regulars. Moscow, Russia. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. You keep it wow. up. A couple more weeks. You're going regulars, Moscow. You're going regulars. Sinon, France. Shout, Shout out, out to you guys. Staten Island, New York. Shout yes. Out. Hello. Yeah. Los Angeles, California. Shout out to the City Shout of Angels. Out. Greensboro, North Carolina. Shout out to you guys. Fisherville, Virginia. Another from the Commonwealth. Thank Shout you. Uh, Richmond, okay. California. Shout out to you guys. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Hotlanta. Thank you for listening. Atlanta. Newark, New Jersey. Shout out to Shout you guys. Out. There we go. Semi regulars. Right. Okay, Dave. Newcomers. You ready? Yes, sir. Okay, got two domestics here. Interesting one on the first one. Dyersburg, Tennessee. Dyersburg. Yeah. Never heard of that one. Yeah, it's not it's not in an area that most people think of, you know. I think people mainly when they think of Tennessee think of three places. Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville. Those are usually yep. the three yep. three big spots. This is north of uh of Memphis. By about mm, mm-hmm. 70, 80 miles. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in like the northwestern corner of Tennessee. And the cool thing, right, when I first looked at the spot, I was like, man, they're like really close to a bunch of states. Like they're literally within 50 miles of Arkansas, Missouri, and Kentucky. And they're within 80 miles of Mississippi and Illinois. Like, Dang. Yeah, they got like all these. You just notice they all these states. They want. <laughs> yeah, and and the funny part, the ironic part. Then I looked at the motto for the town. Mm. Totally makes sense. Dyersburg, the gateway to everywhere. So true. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Perfect. Whoever came up with that genius. Yeah. There you go. Thanks for listening, Dyersburg. We appreciate it. Um, the gateway to the Doc G. The show. gateway to everywhere, man. Gateway to everywhere. Uh, okay. Second one. Here we go. Shout out to Lincolnton, North Carolina. Lincoln. All right, Lincolnton. Yeah, I've I've driven through Lincolnton before. Um, I have not. 
It's oh. northwest of Charlotte. Uh, if you're familiar oh, okay. with Lake Norman, it's west of Lake I've Norman. I've heard of Lake Norman, yes. Yeah. Lake Norman's right okay. above uh, uh, Charlotte. It's their big main lake. It's right to the left of it. Okay. Apparently, okay. they still consider Lincolnton part of the Charlotte metropolitan area. It's a bit out there. Hmm. I, 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 ah. It's a bit out there, but they still consider it. Now, Dave, if you're in Lincolnton, I checked out... The TripAdvisor and the Yelp reviews, two places yeah. that you got to hit up. The next time I'm driving through, maybe onto my parents' house, I'll look into going. Goodwood go. Pizzeria or Ooh. Graffiti's. Two hot spots. Okay. Graffiti's, Goodwood right. Pizzeria. Now, I checked out Graffiti's menu, and I already know mm -hmm. what I'm hitting up. Word. If I go there, what I'm hitting got? up the chicken with the sherry bacon sauce. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Grilled chicken. Nice. Over mashed potatoes with fried green tomatoes drizzled with sherry bacon sauce. Boom. Say what? How, how can you go wrong? Boom. I almost drove up to Lincolnton after I read that. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Road trip. Let's go. What else I got to do? Quarantine. Let's, let's get it. Yes! Let's get talk about takeout. I'm going nine hours for takeout. It's happening. I'm going to go pick it up. Don't you worry. It's going. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you for everybody listening, especially Lincolnton, Dyersburg. Hopefully you become yes, regulars sir. like everybody else. So true. Uh, okay, Dave. We got one more story, one leftover story. Uh, this next story is from Reuters, Dave. Uh, Dave, okay. we, we have okay. a segment we do on the show from time to time. Uh, conspiracy or challenge, where we look mm -hmm. at a dumb challenge versus a dumb conspiracy. And mm -hmm. I almost thought about doing that with this conspiracy on this, oh. next, this next story. Uh, but instead, I just decided to go over the dumb conspiracy instead. That's a fact. Uh... Okay. <laughs> so on Sunday's show, I told Jake about a prison in uh, Alabama that validated mm -hmm. not giving their inmates a mask by telling the media that the inmates would eat the nose pieces. Wait, what? Oh, my God. Yeah, and there was no real explanation of why... Uh, the it, thing? <laughs> why the inmates had a predisposition to wanting to eat a metal piece from a mask. No explanation. Nope. Um, this next one here might be dumber, actually. Might okay. be dumber. Uh, so, <laughs> in this uh, reason of not why to not wear a mask, uh, mm -hmm. there was a social media post that Reuters here is reviewing. And in the social mm -hmm. media post, there is a narrator and a man who claims that the metal strip on most masks that is used to tighten the mask around the nose mm -hmm. is a 5G antenna. Word. Used okay. to control you. The narrator oh then God. describes some weird stuff. Apparently that the system, quote unquote, the system killed people in the first and second world wars and now it's killing people through these masks hmm. oh my gosh and and dave people actually believe this there were people that believe this 
People that actually put this out on their stuff. They reposted it and whatnot. I mean, you just... I'm so confused. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many questions. So many questions. Just, folks, take a step back and logically think this one through. First of all, as I have said before, when we do our segment, Conspiracy versus Challenge, what's the advantage what would be the advantage of anyone, any group, any people to put an antenna into a mask? Mm. And how would that control you? Mm. Yeah, well, that like it's not inside of you. How they would may it be tracking you? you if you want them to think if you want to think that conspiracy theorists. But the, like, come on. Then Good. why would the system? want to kill people Hmm. what does the quote-unquote system benefit from killing people Hmm. third what the the system what is that who is part of the system that makes no No sense (laughs) makes so no sense the the man the man fourth where did the system get all the money for this like, do you know how much money it would take to put that many antennae at that small into that many masks? Like, what? Fifth, what about all the masks that don't have metal strips as a nose piece? Oh. There's tons Ooh. of those. Millions of those out there. Those folks just not getting inundated with system nonsense nope like do they how how do they get their 5g antennas lastly when is the system planning on doing something with these antennas because people Mm -hmm. have been wearing the mask for like the last four months and nothing much has happened so true to the mask wearers at least i don't know what their their plan is like that's it's so so dumb dave and then lastly like the saddest part or like i guess maybe my favorite part of the story is how reuters actually has to go through and describe in this article what the metal strip is for that's right like they actually go through and say the medical strip uh, in medical mass serves uh, quite a different purpose than an antenna a spokesman for 3m which makes protective equipment told reuters mm-hmm. via email that the metal strip in their surgical mask allows them to be shaped and formed against the wearer's nose to help provide a better fit. Hmm. Yeah! Of course! (laughs) Duh. Again, Dave, who is that information for? Again, it's like the selfies with bears. Who is this PSA for that they started their day being like, you know what, I can't can't bring myself to wear a mask because obviously it has a 5G antenna in them that's going to end up killing me. That's a fact. But you know what? I better check on a couple of news sources just to make sure that's true. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? Reuters apparently says it's uh, it's just to make the mask fit better. In that case, I guess I'll wear a mask. They've convinced me. Like, who's that person? I want to know that person that that bought into this crazy conspiracy theory and then was like, you know what? No. No, let's ask, let's ask the expert. Reuter showed me the way. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, I got it. Good, good, ridiculous, Dave. Get it together, folks. Wear a mask and stop making up crazy conspiracy theories. Okay, uh, Dave, we got to do a, a birthday suit before we go to break. Okay. Um, 
Which one? I'll give you a choice. 25%, 30%. Which one do you want to go with? Hmm. We'll do 30% first. Okay, go for with the one a little bit higher. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, our birthday suit wearer was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, July 15th, 1951. Okay. Both of his parents served in World War II. A little bit of a theme of World War II. I just yeah, noticed there that. You go. We had it three three different areas. Crazy. Anyways, after high school, our birthday suit wearer enlisted in the Navy himself. Served from 69 mm-hmm. to 75, but didn't actually see any time in Vietnam. Uh, mm-hmm. After his service, he spent some time with the biker gang, the Mongols. Ever heard oh. of the Mongols, Dave? I have not. They had a little turf war with the Hell's Angels back in the seventies. Actually, so true. Big deal. Oh dang. Yeah, lots of lots of lots of bloody uh, bloody endings there. Not good. But apparently, our birthday suit wearer wasn't involved in any of the uh, any of the melee between the two the disputes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had moved back to Minnesota by that time, where he went okay. to community college and started lifting weights a lot. And began to wrestle. In the mid-70s, he became a professional wrestler. He retired in 1984 after three losses in a row to Hulk Hogan. So true. Mm -hmm. Understandable. Yeah. After he retired, he started commentating professional wrestling and narrating. And uh, he also Mm -hmm. started appearing in films around the same time. He appeared in The Mm. Predator. He appeared in The Running Man. He appeared in Demolition Man and Major League Mm -hmm. Two. Yes! In 1990, he decided to run for mayor of Brooklyn Park, Minnesota and won. Hmm. He served from 91 to 95. He then ran for governor of Minnesota in 1998 Uh and won. Minnesota. Okay. Hmm. He has been involved in politics, but hasn't held office since then. Name that birthday suit where? I got no idea who this is. That's what I was afraid of. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. 30, 30 was awfully generous. Girl, come on. <laughs> okay, I'll take it down to zero. Now, there was a chance. There was a chance. Jesse the Body Ventura. Have you ever heard of Jesse the Body Jesse Ventura? Jesse the Body No idea who that is. Okay. Well, Jesse he was body. He was a wrestler and he actually for a time people thought he was going to run for president in 2012 and then again in 2016, huh. but he let both of them run out. Um I'm it, I'm looking at pictures. I've never seen this guy. Never oh, seen that on. guy? Now, now, nah. now, are they recent pictures? Because recently he's really there, let his hair grow. Um, yeah, there's there's the whole spectrum. Yeah, there's like a bald phase, I gotta, a long hair phase, a I, ripped younger guy with hair phase. I gotta say, the ones with the uh, that he's let himself uh, grow the hair out in the horseshoe pattern, it's a little, a little weird looking. It's, uh, yeah. Not, not a good look. I mean, I guess he got tired of shaving the head every day, which is understandable, but, I mean, yes! you know. Anyways. I mean, you kind of understand that. That's a fact. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> uh, he, uh, let's see, turning the big 69. 69. 69. 
Jesse, nice. Jesse Ventura. Yeah, there you go. Happy birthday. There you go. New person. Put it committed to memory, Dave. Jesse Ventura. Used Never going to be, gonna forget him. Used to be the governor of Minnesota. All right. Okay, let's uh, take a break. We are going to be right back with Kevin Como from the Crownlands. Hey, what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And it's Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904, the best show on the radio. You dig? Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are joined by Kevin Como of the fantastic group Crownlands. Kev, how's it going, man? Good, man. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. First, I got to address something. I think a lot of fans of yours need to or want to address themselves. Uh, it's got to be said, your mane and beard are award-worthy. <laughs> They're fantastic, man. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Have you been sponsored by any hair products yet? Has anybody reached out? (laughs) No, uh, not yet. Um, But Cody and I, actually, we use the same shampoo and conditioner. Really? It's uh, it's called Maui Moisture. It's like, you know, it's vegan, cruelty-free, and all that stuff. So, I mean, but they're not sponsoring us, so I don't need to promote it right now. Do you? (laughs) Do you hear that, guys, out there? Uh, what was the company? Maui? Um, Maui Moisture. Maui Moisture. You hear that, Maui Moisture? Get on it. You got, you, got, <laughs> you, got a good, you got a good group here using your products. You need to jump on it. Yes! Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. That it seems we've, we've become known for our hair just as much as our music. And, you know, whatever, whatever works, you know? Hey, man, it's... it's it, it, it's part of the package. That's right. You know, or at least it should be. I mean, I feel like it just it gets the right vibe. You guys, that's one of the things. You with with your hair, you look so majestic so true. in most of the pictures. It's like, wow, I want to be a part of that. That looks good. Like just it just adds some gravity to everything. Uh now despite having to cancel a bunch of great shows, because you had a bunch of great shows yeah. lined up. Uh, you guys yeah. have been busy though. Uh, obviously, you recorded you recorded a whole album, a whole acoustic album. Jeez. Was that planned, or was that all basically like second option because of the pandemic? You were like, well, let's let's go ahead and record this album. Yeah, so it's it's all kind of ironic. So um, like back in September, we recorded our our debut full length record with Dave Cobb down in Nashville. Yeah, and then we went on tour for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And um, then actually ended up doing a couple other tunes uh, with Nick Raskill in it. And mm-hmm. then uh, come February, uh, we had some, some downtime and we had written all these acoustic songs. And so we decided to uh, go back up to this place called Chalet Studio, which is uh, just kind of like in this beautiful wooded area by uh, where, where Cody and I live. Yeah. And that was where we cut like our first record, like back in the day with uh, with Justin Melly, and he was uh, he, he produced and engineered our first two records and uh, our certain EPs. And then we suckered him into coming on the road with us as our tour manager and uh, live sound engineer for years. So yeah. he's like our brother. He's like our third member. He's 
you know, yeah. he's been forced into becoming our therapist as well <laughs> for a number of years. And so we decided to get the three of us in the room together, and uh, we decided to shine a light on this other side of the band. And yeah. we weren't sure what we were going to do with it. We, you know, we were anticipating it was going to come out almost as like a companion piece for the uh, the record we made with Dave. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit, and everything changed, and we said, you know why don't we take advantage of this and like make it work? And um, so we put that out as its own piece. And sure. uh, it, you know, I think we shocked a lot of people because we've been <laughs> building the band as like this kind of like loud, rambunctious rock band for yeah. the last five years. And um, so the first release that we put out with, uh, with our label is uh, like this, experimental folk ep and uh it's you know it's exciting when uh people that have been with you since the beginning see something that you know um that's new uh for the first time it's you know it's exciting for us i think it's exciting for the people that are listening to us and um you know uh i think again we we shine a light on a side of the band that we've kind of pushed to the side in favor of uh like the live rock show for so long yeah and it you know again it's it's weird because you know these days no one's really listening to the radio because no one's really driving to work <laughs> and you know that's usually where rock music lives if it's not in the live show it's um yeah you know it's when people are commuting yeah and um no one's doing that right now so it was kind of nice that we had all of this like intimate um like uh, unique acoustic music so yeah. it kind of worked out in a beautiful ironic way and you know we had uh, put all these videos together of us working up at chalet yeah and, uh, we were able to put that all together and you know it's, it was nice to have like this totally separate artistic statement come out in such a dark time man because for sure i mean the music is so uh you know so positive and uplifting but i think we were all in like a pretty dark space making the record man because again we had Basically, we've been stuck seeing each other every day for a year, year and a half uh, on tour. And, um, you know, instead of taking a break, we decided to pile back into a studio yeah, like, right away. And uh, but it worked out in, in a really nice way. So I, I, I got to say that the room uh, for listeners that don't know, uh, that's the same studio that that Rush recorded a bunch of their albums. And, uh, you know, I remember seeing it in the Rush documentary. Uh, and you, you get you you the videos you guys made for your album make that room seem so jammable. Yes! Like I just wanted yeah. like watching those videos. I just wanted to grab an acoustic guitar or bongos and jump in and be like, yes! Like it just it has this vibe totally. that you're just like, oh man, it's just such a. Uh, it is like you said, it's a bright feeling when you see it, and it's so you know airy and just such good vistas around, and it just yeah, it works perfect, man. It works perfect. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, I mean that's that's who we are as people and as a band. You know, like we're very uh, like nature oriented, so it's really nice to go up to like um like a beautiful space and be in the woods and not in a city. And, you know, as you're tracking a guitar solo, you see a deer walk by. <laughs> yeah. I, I am exactly where I need to be. Nice. Nice. Well, I saw on Instagram that you guys with this, uh, with this new album, you're planning on putting a, a Polaroid in every single copy Wait, of, of yeah. flyers. Yeah, so we've um, so just for the first pressing. So we've got um, we decided to press. Originally, we we're going to press three hundred, and then uh, pre-sale did so well that we ended up uh, pressing five hundred. Mm. And um, 
Uh, and then we decided to get really ambitious and grab a couple of Polaroid cameras and shoot <laughs> 500 pictures. And, um, you know, again, we're, uh, we're musicians. We're not visual artists, we're not <laughs> photographers. So some of the, uh, you know, so, some of them are not that great, but I think we, we got really clever and creative with some of the shots. There's a couple of finger and, shots in there. Whoops. Got a finger on that one. It's all right. Put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we got some, some shots of Cody's feet, you know, for the the, the weirdos out there. Because, hey, oh, okay. you know, who are we to judge? You know? All right. Okay. <laughs> Wait, All what? right. Well, I, I pre-ordered one of those for our studio. Oh, so what do, you, what do you want? Do you want me to put the, the Polaroid out? Or should I keep it in the in yeah, the uh, uh, vinyl? Totally. Like, okay. do, what, uh, do whatever you want. I mean, it's... it's uh, you know, it, okay. it's your Polaroid when nope. you get it. Okay, you know? all right. So, uh, I'll have to... I think it'll be cool, like when we get um, when we get these these out finally, because I think it's um, there's a bit of a back order on on the vinyl pressing just because of the pandemic. So yeah. um, hopefully they'll be coming very soon. And like, so you know, we're so thankful that people who pre-ordered are being really patient with all of that. I mean, it's uh, everything's been pushed back, man. It's little crazy. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, yeah. just, just your album in general, it gets me, you know, one of my co-hosts, we, we both play music a good deal and he loves acoustic music. Like he just like, mm -hmm. but rock music set acoustically. Like we're both big fiends of the nineties MTV uh, unplugged. That's right. You know, all of the unplugged yeah. versions of that. It's just so, because you get to hear the root of those songs and just, you know, just the clear song without any tricks, without any distortion pedals or any other effects or anything like that. And uh, it's, yes. it's great to hear, man. It's great to hear. Uh, Thanks, yeah. I mean, it, it's like, uh, it's you have to be in a really vulnerable place to be able to do that. And, um, you know, uh, there's nothing worse than the sound of like an acoustic electric guitar, like you know, with the piezo pickup just plugged directly into a PA. Yeah, someone's banging it the same way they'd be banging <laughs> uh, a Les Paul through a Marshall. You know? Yeah. And so we really had to like take a, a hard look at our music and see if we could rearrange it in a clever way. Nice. Um, and make it speak uh, in its own voice instead of just you know reinterpreting a song. Yeah. Uh, on the acoustic guitar. So, like, that was, you know, that was an exciting challenge for sure. For you sure. have to make sure it's, it's you know, it's not just rock music played yeah. on an uh, yeah. acoustic guitar. You make sure it was going to stand on its own legs for sure. Definitely, definitely. Well, let's take the uh, listeners back. You didn't start really in the genre of music or the instrument that you really uh, use predominantly in Crownlands. You uh, first were into punk and you were playing yeah. bass uh yeah and that that really it always gets me when people play bass because like i don't think most people you know grow up having pictures of of flea and and victor wooten and bootsy collins yeah. on their walls it's usually you know it's usually page and hendrix and and those uh totally. people so like what what got you interested initially in bass um Straight up, man, I was like 11 years old and I heard Holiday by Green Day on the radio and oh, hearing the bridge, yeah. it's like that, you know, it's like that bass dun, solo. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and it, it just, it, it, I, I, I'd never really registered uh, what a bass guitar was and my dad um, is a, a folk style, like finger, um, finger picking kind of guy. He's always playing in weird alternate tuning <laughs> and like that had a huge influence on me uh, as a kid. 
And, um, you know, he bought me a bass, taught me to play all along the watchtower. And I was, I was sold, man. It was, <laughs> it was it. Like everything else in my life kind of fell by the wayside and I became super obsessed with the bass. And, um, you know, then I, you know, got spiky blue hair Sweet. and you know, started worshiping the misfits and, uh, the clash and all of that. And, nice. um, but then all of a sudden, my parents turned around. They were like, "Oh yeah, this is really cool. I really like this music. I, was like, oh, I need to find something else." Then, so you know, by the time I was fourteen, I discovered Rush. And I yeah. finally found it was it was a band that my parents absolutely hated. Yeah. And so that was, you know, that was like the, that was the real punk rock rebellion. It was like, all right, I'm going to get into something that I, everyone hates, you Which- know, just to be contrarian and all of a sudden you know and then as a bass player getty lee is the master yeah absolutely the master and uh you know when i was when i was younger uh les claypool was like my absolute favorite bass player until i discovered getty and it's just funny that you know getty's les's hero as well and then we toured with primus a couple years ago and we bonded big time over our you know mutual (laughs) fandom of rush and uh you know we were just like sharing lots of cool getty stories and um last year uh when les and sean lennon came through town uh with the claypool lennon delirium yeah uh that what like getty actually showed up and played tomorrow never knows with them and um we've got to hang out backstage with uh with Sean, Les, and Getty, and it was pretty freaking cool, oh, man. It you was, had to uh, be freaking out. Like, oh yeah, I mean, Les is such a class act to, uh, you know, let us, you know, kind of hang out and pretend that we belong in, in a group <laughs> like that. And, you know, we were just trying to not stare at them, and it was pretty cool. Things like, you know, Les and Getty are absolute monsters, and all they wanted to do was hang out and talk about wine. What? You know? <laughs> and, because, uh, like, Les, Les Gross is, um, he's got his own vineyard uh, with, with his wife, Cheney. Where is it? Somewhere, I think it's just north of San Jose, in California. Mm. Mm. And uh, so, that, you know, that's, uh, that's like his passion now is like you know he makes his own wine and getty collects wine so <laughs> it was pretty cool hearing them geek out more about grapes than they were about bass yeah and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i guess that's what happens when you become the master at, it, like your your instrument your craft you just kind of end up gravitating to other things wh- whereas like you know uh, we're still so young and like hungry for it that we're still completely obsessed with the music we haven't found those cool esoteric hobbies yet <laughs> well you know i mean uh neil pert he always yeah. like that was the thing is he always would come back to to drums which would amaze amaze me because he was just so amazing first of all at drums yes! but then like every couple of years he would have this like you know rebirth of like i need to find out how to do this i need to do this mm-hmm. better and would just go dive head deep you know into it and it's just it was crazy his dedication to that craft but um yeah, no. I wanted to uh, I wanted to go back because I was reading that uh, in a, a, another interview you did about your parents hating Rush, and I was like, I was like, that seems so not Canadian. Like, how do you hate Rush in Canada? Like, that's I know, I know. It, I think I've got like the well, like I, they've come around to it now. I was able to uh, you, you, you convince know, them like a little my, bit. Uh, like, oh yeah, I think I evangelized them a bit about Rush. <laughs> um, you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, like, you know, when I met Cody, uh, I I'd heard Cody was a huge fan of Rush. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was like instant, instant friendship for sure. Well, it's like, 
you know, people say like Rush fans are the Trekkies of rock and roll, and it's totally yeah. true, man. I mean, like you find another Rush fan, and it's like, yes, okay, it's like a secret club almost. Yeah, you know, we've we've even suckered our manager into listening to Rush. I mean, he's never listened to Rush before us. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, there's something so special about that band, you know, yeah. the way that they conducted themselves as businessmen, and the way that you know they they never let their egos get too big. I mean, at least. At least to the to the public. I mean, who yeah. knows what they were like, you know, with each other, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm sure you've you've, uh, you've talked to enough bands. There's always, you know, there's always trouble in paradise somewhere. A little bit, a little bit. But we're gonna we're gonna come back to Rush. I have something at the okay, end. I wanna okay. I wanna come back to Rush on. I do yeah, have to say, yeah. uh, Les, it's the only thing that I remember about him. I remember in the. I mean, there's a lot of things, but the thing that always sticks in my mind about Les is. Uh, on the behind the music for Metallica, he tried out for Metallica uh, when um, when they needed a new uh, bassist when uh, when Cliff died in the '80s, mm-hmm. and he tried out. And I forget what he, what what song he wanted to. Uh, oh, what was I think it? it was like something by Parliament Funkadelic, right? It was it was the uh, brothers. I can't think of their names. Um, but he was like he was like you guys want to jam on some? Oh, Isley Brothers. That was it. He oh. wanted to jam on <laughs> Isley Brothers, and all the Metallica guys were like, "What?" It's just like, oh, okay, I guess you guys are a little bit harder than that. All right, well, nice to meet you guys, but, like, I mean, they they, they missed an opportunity with Les, that's for sure. Yeah, he, I mean, so like, I think, uh, well, I, I think it was probably for the best. I, I think um, they, they were both on their own separate path. Vibe a I little mean, bit different, cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but if you listen to the, those early Primus records, you hear a lot of Metallica in there, because I guess they came out of that same scene, mm-hmm. right? I think mm-hmm. it was... Uh, Kirk and Les, I think they went to high school together, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, but just just a little bit, like you said, they had diverged a little bit. But uh, so before you guys made uh, Crownlands, uh, I found it interesting too. You went to L.A. and you were in you were in a reggae band. Wait, what? what? I was. Now, now I was. was that was that planned, or did you just go out no. to L.A. and that was like okay? I guess I'm in this band yeah, I mean, now. I was, yeah, I was 19. I was, um, I was studying classical music up in Canada, and I just, I don't know. I think I read too much Jack Kerouac, the Kowski, <laughs> and I was listening to too much Dylan, and I was like, I need to find myself, man. So like, I, you know, I packed a, a backpack and I just, I hitchhiked to LA. It took me about a month. Man. And uh, like the, literally the day I get there, I walk into the Sam Ash in Hollywood. There's you know there, there's guys just like hanging out, and yeah. um, we started shooting the. Sh- and uh, they they're like, you know, they mentioned they were looking for a keyboard player, and they were doing um, like a bunch of reggae music, and uh, they were covering a, a bit of Floyd, and I was like, perfect, like this is <laughs> right up my alley. And so I mentioned, you know, it's like that, you know, I mentioned I could play keys, and they're like, come sit in with us. And so they literally had a gig that night. I sat in with them. And, uh, yeah, they invited me into the band, and I stayed with them for, like, six months. We, we played the Whiskey A Go-Go. We did a, a couple gigs out on, uh, like, the Venice Boardwalk, and it was it was a really, really, like, life-affirming experience, dude. I think nice. uh, I learned more playing in that band than I did when I was studying music. Yeah. And uh, it really, um, I feel like I can define my life, like, before and after that experience, you know. Nice. It was, uh, so you, you know, did find yourself a little bit. Time. Oh, 100%. Yes. And, uh, you know, again, it was just, 
you know, those beautiful uh, serendipitous moments because the day I get back home, uh, you know, was, I came back home for the holidays mm-hmm. and I, a buddy of mine, he, he mentioned he was auditioning for this other band uh, invited me along to come check it out because, again, he mentioned that these guys were big Rush fans. <laughs> sure enough, Co- Cody, w- Cody was the one playing drums. That was the pull-in. Uh, they like Rush. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, so, good. We're in. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but it was kind of funny because at that point, I wasn't even a guitar player. I was still just a bass player and a keyboardist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I picked up uh, picked up a guitar and basically just started playing like bass lines on it. And Cody was like, yeah, that's really cool. And so I ended up joining that band for... <laughs> Uh, almost a year, and you know, uh, I heard Cody sing, and I was like, "You gotta sing! Like this is this is it! This is the sound." And Cody yeah. was still kind of shy about it, and uh, then like I left that band, and I uh, I did some touring with another band for a year, and uh, came back, and Cody and I started jamming again, and um, basically overnight, Crownlands was made. We made the first EP out of like our first jam session, wow. and. Um, you know, five years later, we're still at it and uh, getting a lot of good breaks, man. I mean, this year is not the year we wanted it to be. But, <laughs> you know, we're hoping, you know, like every year since we, you know, since we made the band in 2015, like, this is our year, man. This is it, you know, and it finally felt like, you know, this was going to be our year, you know, finally, like the breakout year. We're yeah. going on our inaugural European tour. We had all these festivals lined up. We had like, Two records line up to come out this year. We were stoked, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, you know, everything comes crashing down. And it, it's obviously, you know, it's like this traumatic, cataclysmic event for everyone. You know, I think this is uh, this is the first time in like uh, both of like our lifetimes that we've seen a collective trauma like this. I mean, everyone's affected. Yeah, but it still feels a little personal. It still well, feels a little I mean. <laughs> I mean, all the musicians that I've had on the show since March. I mean, it's just so tough for you guys because obviously your lifeblood is touring, is concerts, and you guys yeah. can't play them. So it's, I mean, and and for, for uh, several weeks there, it just seemed like every band was just looking around like, what do we do? What? What should we do? Should we do live? Like, should we stream things? Should we put out songs? Like, and just you know, different bands have found different things to do. But it's uh, it, yeah, it's 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 tough to find the right path in 2020 for musicians for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's like a total reset. There is no right path. There is no wrong path. Uh, I think like monetizing music is even harder. I mean, it, you know, it was. It was a decaying industry, mm-hmm. you know, in December, let alone now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of venues closed down, and that's like a huge bummer because, like, once touring starts up again, all the venues and the promoters that we knew, they're not going to be yeah. there. Um, like, uh, yeah, unless, uh, you know, government steps up and starts uh, subsidizing these music venues. Yeah. It's, uh, we're starting to see a bit of that in Canada, which is nice. I'm not sure what the situation is for you guys. Not, I mean, not happening right now. Not <sighs> even in in question. So uh, it's yeah, it's it's tough. I know the I know the the venues around us right now are are definitely struggling. They're trying to do sort of their own, you know, fundraising in different ways and, you know, promoting streams from all the bands that played there and things like that. But 
It's uh, it's it's definitely going to be tough for the next couple of months to try to keep it going. Um, so you t- talking though, go, going back to you guys starting uh, Crownlands. Um, how mm-hmm. how long did it take? Like you said, it was real quick. Uh, you know, w- you literally made that first EP like from the first jam sessions. Straight up, man. Yeah, we wrote. Um... I'd say we wrote four of the five songs, uh, like the first day or two. And, um, you know, we weren't sure what we were going to do with it. Like, um, and then we met Justin and, uh, he's like, man, you guys should totally be a band. And, you know, he had just gotten out of, uh, school for recording. Yeah. You know, I'll do it for you guys. Super cheap. Let's go. And all of a sudden, you know, it just, um, we, we made our EP, uh, you know, Created yeah. a bunch of T-shirts, threw all our gear in my dad's <laughs> Hyundai Elantra, and again, like luckily, you know, I, I had built up a bunch of experience uh, from touring and a bunch of connections, so we were able to um, honestly skip like a year or two of floundering. Yeah. Um, and you know, before we even really settled on our band name, uh, like I, I booked us. Uh, like a Southern Ontario tour. We call them 401 runs because there's like basically 90% of uh, Ontario's population is like all across like this main highway. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's within a couple hours of each other, there's a bunch of like great university towns with, um, you know, there was a lot of great venues back then. I mean, f- it's already changed in five years, man. It's yeah. uh, dramatically changed. Yeah. And, but we, you know, it, we just got in at that right time. And that was when Facebook networking was at its all time high for bands. And, uh, we just, we booked these tours and then, uh, we booked an East coast tour later that year when we released the EEP. And, you know, we, you know, just slept on top of the gear in the van <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, just, you know, we, uh, we really gr- like grounded out for the first couple of years, yeah. And um, but it was so worth it because I, I think um, we were able to um, build the band organically that way. I mean, so many people think, okay, if you make a band, you get streaming, and then eventually you'll think about touring. But we we totally went about it the old school way of yeah. building it up by by touring and you know printing merch and yeah. just doing it all ourselves for years, and then finally. Um, finally, a couple of years uh, into it, we uh, we met our team. We uh, we met our manager Ollie, who is like he's the best. I mean, <laughs> we are so, we are so lucky to have that guy, you know. And it's just that's really what it's all been about. Is like I th- I think we've put just as much work and effort into building Crownlands as like a, a business as um as we have put into the music. And by you know I'm, I don't mean like we're sitting around chomping cigars wearing suits but i yeah. mean like we've uh, we really uh, we put a lot of effort into making sure the people that we were working with you know saw it the same way as us and yeah. like that's what it's all about i mean if you got anyone listening right now just thinking about starting a band it's just like put as much work into uh finding the right people that you're doing it with just as much as the music you're writing because that's going to make all the difference yes! definitely definitely now I, I I've heard you and Cody say uh, you guys weren't cool, you weren't the cool guys growing up. No, what? Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> which which happens, you know, which happens a lot in rock bands, obviously. But like, I I wonder how it feels now because I mean, you guys have flipped the script a little bit. I mean, you're on billboards in Toronto. You recorded <laughs> with Dave Cobb. You got praise from Lizzie Hale and Jack White. Like, 
How's how's it feel getting stuff that's like better. that? I'm not, yeah, that's that is super cool. Yeah, thanks, man. Like, I'm like the most validating experience of my entire life was like hanging out in Les's tour bus, and we were trading bass licks on uh, like his resonator bass. And he just kind of looks at me. He's like, "Oh, so you're a bass player, eh?" Mm-hmm. I'm like. Yeah, and he just kind of looks at me sideways like, so why are you playing guitar then? And it was just <laughs> so funny where, like, uh, you know, it, it, you could be the greatest bass player in the world, but you still have that kind of, um, that bass player complex. But just to be, like, validated and, like, recognized yeah. as, you know, because I think, you know, there's that stigma of, uh, of the bass where a lot of bass players are frustrated guitar players that weren't good on guitar, so they ended up getting relegated to playing bass. Yeah. Whereas for me, like, my, my heart and my soul soul is bass like my first love is the bass and yeah. it's just ironic that you know i'm uh you know i'm i'm fulfilling the role Stuck of the on guitar Ugh. yeah <laughs> but you know i mean it's it, like i i i i've really grown to uh love and uh really you know i've become really passionate about the guitar in recent years as well i mean i'm not saying you know i'm not here to to poo poo the guitar or anything but yeah i mean we are super lucky man i mean like we're still a young band uh you know i don't feel young every day but uh you know we've, you know it's it's um we're super lucky to have gotten the breaks we've gotten and again like that's uh we've gotten a lot of those opportunities because like of our management and our agents yeah. you know and uh you know touring with jack white was ridiculous yeah. i mean that was the the best we've ever ate you know the <laughs> the um his crew let us uh come early and get the lunch and the dinner catering nice. and that, you know i don't yeah. i don't know if you've been on the road a whole lot but to get two meals a day yeah. when you're on tour like that was pretty bougie we were <laughs> we were eating well and morale was at an all-time high even though we we're you know driving across canada in the winter a couple of hairy nights for sure but <laughs> Um, you know, just to get there the next day and get some some good food is it's so you know. I, if you're not eating Burger King every day. You're winning. Is is I gotta ask? Is Jack White in like all the interviews and like the do- I don't know if you ever seen the documentary. It might get loud. Like oh yeah, he seems so in. I mean, he starts that interview by saying he might get in a fight with Jimmy Page, and you're like, what? Dude's like seventy. Yeah. Why are you gonna punch him? Like, but like, is he that intense in person? When you met him, were you um, like? <laughs> yeah, no, no, he he is for sure. Uh, he's like super cool though. Yeah, um, there was like one time. Um, uh, so his tour manager and chauffeur uh, Lalo is like a super cool guy. He's kind of like the gatekeeper to Jack. Yeah. And uh, so, so one time I think we were in Halifax and we were setting up the gear by the stage, and then all of a sudden this like big black Cadillac SUV like rolls through behind the stage, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and like you know, as we're setting up, we're in the way, and he just like rolls down the window. It's like, Get your you know just like you know just giving it and then like oh it's like oh no like we screwed up like jack hates us and then he just starts laughing he's like thanks guys you know just it's just like he knows how to uh like use his uh, use the intense energy for, yeah. it, it's all just like i think it's all just a joke for him it's all just in good humor he's like you, you know you do uh, see it go I mean, down I mean, I in that if, interview yeah. Yeah. you you like in that documentary when he starts playing with the edge and he starts playing with jimmy uh page it like you know it's it's no longer there like it was to start off with that you're just like jesus 
this dude, he needs a, I'm, I'm frightened. What I, I can only imagine yeah. if he, if he yelled at me like that, what I would do, I'd probably start crying <laughs> and fall over into a ball on the ground. Probably. Uh, <laughs> no, I, like, again, I think he's just, just joking around. Cause that, you know, later that day, we, uh, we all got to go into his green room and hang out and, you know, he's chilling there listening to old blues and smoking cigarillos and you know uh he's joking with us how his older brother was the one who was into yes and genesis and all the frog <laughs> and uh you know it's it's always that you know your your friend's stoned older brother who gets you into the prog rock for sure and, uh, you know so he you know and uh, then we started um kind of shooting the budgie which is uh another great uh old trio like very obscure and yeah. uh you know so it was just really cool to kind of connect with him on that front and Definitely. um you know he liked the double neck that i've got which is all you know that thing always goes over well that's like our, our <laughs> icebreaker for sure when we're touring with other bands you know we're <laughs> so yeah like the day that um you know but he's such a class act you know he came yeah. up and shook all our hands the first day and it's like you know it's nice to have you guys and nice you know a guy is like that stature like doesn't have to do that i think jack is the last true great rock star yeah you know? he is he really is like um like a cultural icon he's, For sure. he has done he's done so much well, well. Speaking of those sort of icons, uh, you mentioned it before. Uh, Dave Cobb did your uh, most well. The album you haven't released yet. Uh, the yeah, it's, yeah, it's coming out uh, later this year. Vic- I don't know how much else I can say about it. But, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, again, this guy, Dave Cobb. He's sort of you know he's one of those sort of it producers right now because I mean he's won six Grammys. He worked with. Lady Gaga, Chris Stapleton, um, and and I was looking. I think you know you guys are one of like the heaviest bands. Like you were saying, you know that sound that you've cultivated over the last several years. It's definitely heavier than pretty much everything. I mean, aside from like the Rival Sons. Uh, yeah, that was like a huge reason for um, the connection. Like Rival Sons and all of them witches. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, made us want to work with him. And it's just like his approach of like. Um, you know, like picking the song the day of and like not wanting to like overthink things in the pre-production phase. Cause like we were so, um, so worried about getting sanitized, yeah. you know, uh, cause like that's not what we want to do. And we've seen so many, especially like Canadian rock artists end up getting like overproduced and making like really lame <laughs> middle of the road, you know, yeah. uh, like beige rock and roll so and he let you so, go loose you know we, we we so did not want to be in that world and you know we toured with rival sons and uh we just you know we loved those guys yeah. and that was um, that was a huge reason of wanting to work with dave and uh and also just like kind of like the left of center thing um of the fact that you know he's kind of built his career as a country producer yeah. but you know when we went down there he's so rock and roll man he's like one <laughs> of the best guitar players i've ever seen man yeah. like you know um he really uh really made me step my game up nice. <laughs> for sure you know he wasn't afraid of challenging me and you know, um, again, like I'm kind of a snob when it comes to, to rock music. I, you know, when the day came for me laying down all the solos for the songs, I was trying to like avoid any thing that sounded like a classic rock solo. Like I was yeah. trying to avoid any pentatonics. I was trying to go into like all these modal things and melodic things. He just stopped me. He's like, dude, just 
you know, just like, don't be afraid. Just play if you know, an A minor pentaton. Just do it. <laughs> just, just play into the trope. And I was like, okay, Dave. Okay. And then, you know, sure enough, when we played the record back for, uh, for, uh, for everyone, I was like, oh, Kev, like that's so, it was like, you know, that's your best one. I'm like, Dave was right, man. Dave <laughs> was right. You know, and it, so it's like, you know, <laughs> uh, he's, he's such a genius arranger too. Um, so he really, really he, he let uh, you go he loose. Really dug in. He, he, oh yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's got like this cool uh, Mellotron keyboard, and like that's you know his favorite instrument, and it's one of mine too. And so we just geeked out over that <laughs> and ended up sneaking it on every song. And, <laughs> you know, like but you know, as a rock band, um, we you know we've we made like a couple rules when we made the band. We didn't want to deal with any backing tracks or click tracks we wanted to be as like real and live off the floor as possible yeah. and be, you know i know it's cliche but we wanted to be authentic and dave totally got that and yeah. um you know so we tracked all the guitar and the drums together and then all we did was overdub you know the guitar solos the vocals and the keyboards so yeah. that way um the bed track kind of breathed and had that you know that quality that sounds like we actually played in the room together and yeah. i think that's missing in a lot of rock music for sure well just music in general really and you know it was uh it was awesome and uh, yeah. greg gordon was the guy who uh, engineered it and greg is like the he's such a cool dude he um he's actually slipknot's go-to guy oh. and greg and dave actually ended up working together for years before they kind of went their separate ways where um, I think Greg did a, a bunch of the ghost records as well, you know, so it's kind of funny that they started out in the same world in LA together and then they kind of went their separate ways and came back together for this record. Yeah. But Greg is such like this old school engineer that really likes to push things in like the extreme. And, you know, Cody and I are like kind of anal perfectionists sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, there'd be like, the, you know, these weird things going a little too far and be like, Greg, I don't know about that. I think we screwed up on that take. And he would just stop and look at us and be like, cool yes. <laughs> good and, like, that just ended up being, yeah exactly you know and so it was you know we had to like push our our comfort zone for sure because you know we 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 talk a big game on how we want like this old school like authentic you know raw thing and then we ended up be, you know almost you know if they didn't stop us i think we would have ended up sanitizing the record too much whereas like dave and greg really pushed it to be like radical and like you know um put it like leave mistakes and and stuff and uh it, you know i'm so glad we, we let them do that you know because you know it, at the end of the day you know we are the artists we could have you know vetoed that stuff and i'm so glad that um you know they it, were absolutely right on those instances it's definitely an interesting split because you've got those old bands that have those in the recording, but then, you know, your favorite, Rush, I mean, they they were perfectionists when it came to, you yeah. know, recording. They wanted everything on the, on the you know, on the dot. So it's, uh, I mean, you know, it. I, I think it came out, the, the two singles that came out from that so far with Spit It Out and, and Howlin' Back, th they go hard. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, they, Thanks, man. They're definitely good tracks, and I mean, you you feel you feel the looseness, like you said, you feel it breathe. Um, but uh, because I mean, because you both of you guys are rhythm guys, uh, you know, I mean, you know, at heart, Cody's a drummer. At heart, you're a bassist. Your songs yeah. breathe rhythm. 
every single one Thanks. of them have just this you know you can feel it in in the music even when it's not a heavy drum track or a heavy bass track it's there it's just in what you guys make for sure um oh yeah i think that's like kind of what makes us a little bit unique for sure it's like you know we're we're both like trying to be the front people in a band but we would you know in an alternate universe we we'd happily be the rhythm section hiding out in the back you know (laughs) another band and like sharing jokes you know i think we were both the troublemakers in school we were both a little you know we're probably fairly delinquent (laughs) (laughs) well maybe i think that's where we get you know i think that's why we get along maybe sometime in in way in the future after crown lands has become the biggest band in the world you guys can (laughs) you can match up with somebody else and be their rhythm in a like a super group you guys can just yeah. do that. Oh, you know, totally. And you can do that later on. Um, one other question before I get to this rush thing that I want to do real quick. Sure, um, sure, sure. So what's the plans as far as 2020? So what is, I mean, I know you might not be able to say as far as the album and whatnot, but overall in general, what do you have planned for the rest of 2020 yeah totally i mean we're um we've still got a lot of video content for this record you know we have like uh three uh three or more videos that we've prepared that are really like we're really happy with Mm -hmm. uh and that's going to be accompanying the record uh we're we're planning um like a few live stream events as well and actually i just um i just finished building the studio space up north uh actually in chalet's b room and uh i'm really excited about that so we're gonna just be um trying to get as creative and write as much as we can and uh see what happens you know maybe we'll see about getting wayward flyers volume two going you know so we kind of got the series where we've got like these these big like full-length records and then all these sort of companion pieces that go along with it like you know so wayward flyers the whole concept behind that is kind of like that's our no rules thing so you know we've pursued like the acoustic thing maybe we'll pursue that more you know maybe we'll look into making instrumental meditation i don't know Mm. we just want to you know again like we we we're trying to get the idea that crown lands is like a musical vehicle yeah. for like Cody and I to like really express ourselves. We don't have to like limit ourselves to be like, yeah, we're a rock band. You know, <laughs> I think we just want to, we just want to make music that moves us and hopefully that connects with, you know, people and moves them too. And nice. that's, you know, so we'll see, you Look know, we're trying to be like really fluid with it too. We don't want to put out a record every two years and yeah. tour, you know, we want to, be yeah, be experimental and fluid no with rules. it. You know, throw a song like out, throw two songs. You know, like yeah. that's you know one of my favorite bands is Haim, mm. and you know their first two records they they did the what every rock band does. You know, like yeah, they, they write a record, they tour for two years, they get all their festival looks, and they disappear for a year and write a record. Where yeah. for this third record they just put out. They kind of they changed the rule book around for themselves. Like they wrote a song, and two weeks later they put it out. Then they wrote another song, did nice. that, and then they finally put it all together. It's like we're in like this weird post-genre world where people just you know can kind of do that. And I think rock bands have been really slow to the table to embrace that. Yeah, and uh, you know, so we're trying to kind of just like do whatever we feel like, and if it feels good, it is good. So. Yeah. I like it. So that's, you know, I've got the plan now, but, you know, tomorrow could could all change. Yeah, Yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, so, okay, back to Rush real quick. So, um, okay. (laughs) A couple of years ago, we had fellow Canadians, uh, the Dead South, on the show. Oh, yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I heard that their members were huge Rush fans. So I wanted to give them a Rush quiz. And I gave it to Nate, uh, their lead singer, who made the disclaimer before I gave the quiz that he wasn't the biggest Rush fan of the group at all. Uh, but he failed the quiz pretty bad. <laughs> he got he got a one out of five on the quiz. Um, yeah, not not good. So if if you want to take this quiz and beat a score, you will become the Doc G Show Rush champion. What do you say? All right, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. I could, I'm, I'm going to just make myself seem a fool. But no, you know, no, no, no. I, I, I got a feeling. Good, baby. I got a feeling you're going to, you, you you definitely are going to break his his uh, his one out of five. I know right. that with all confidence. Right. Now, now this right. is. My, my heart's going now. I'm just like, all right, let's go. This go, is, go. this is multiple choice. So you've, you've got, okay. you can get an answer regardless. So that's good. Okay, so okay. first one. What uh, city did Rush start in? I don't even think you need a multiple choice Toronto. for this. There you go. Yes, yes. One one for one. You've, you've already tied him. You've already tied. Right. Okay, next question. True or false? Neil Peart provided all the drums for every Rush album. False. Man, oh my God. Quick fire right John there. John Rutsey. Oh gosh, look at that. See, real Rush fan. You are already titled the the true Rush King of the Doc G Show. Okay. <laughs> Three. Which album was Tom Sawyer on? Moving Pictures, 1981. Gosh, oh my see, there's a good night and day right here. Night and day. Which which band member wrote a book titled Ghost Rider? Neil. Jeez, <laughs> see, not even that book is that book is heartbreaking, man. I don't know if like you know um, if you've read it, but man, like that band is so special. Like the way that they like, kind of like rallied behind Neil yeah. when, uh, when his family passed away, man. Yeah. Like, you know that guy had a hard life. It, it was. It was definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, out of out of the group, uh, you you feel for Neil in a lot of instances, and I mean, uh, tough tough last couple of years too, for sure. But um, yeah, but made a lot of great music for sure. Okay, last question. Now this one I think is the hardest of all of the the uh, all of the questions. Which all right, you're hyping it up. Which single of Rushes did the best? On the Hot 100 Billboard charts. Now we New got World it. Man. Why go? What? Jeez, look at that, man! Five for five. I think that was yeah. That, that was the only top twenty that they got. And the ironic thing is, they called that the song originally was like Project Three Minutes Fifteen Seconds because that was like that was Signals '82. So that was oh my god! I don't like. Why am I going this hard? Uh, <laughs> so basically, '82 was like an important year because that was the first. Uh, album that they uh, they did everything digitally. That was like the first record yeah. they recorded digitally, and because that that was also when cassette tapes were really big, and so they had to make both sides balanced so that way you didn't have blank space when you were rewinding and fast forwarding yeah. the cassettes. And uh, their second album side was like three minutes short, and so they actually wrote, arranged, and recorded that song in one day in the studio. Good, it was Lord. A, a throw. It was a throwaway track. Man. And it's, you know, it was their only, yeah, it was the only one that cracked. 
Like the top twenty is pretty crazy. Here you here you were getting nervous. Now I should have I should have been nervous because you just made my quiz look like I mean, geez. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to go back I, and make a specific, like study and make a much harder <laughs> quiz. Have you back on the show just to just to try to redeem. But there you have it, folks. New Rush champion on the Doc G show, Kevin yes! of Crownlands, just dominating. <laughs> Man, Kevin, thank you for coming on the show, man. It has been a pleasure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a what a great time talking with you, man. I uh, hope we can stay in touch. For sure, for sure, listeners, you can check out all things Crownlands on their website, crownlandsmusic.com, or follow them on Instagram at Crownlands Music. Right now, let's take a listen to Witching Hour right here on the Doc G Show. And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard Crownlands. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> David, note on the podcast version of the show, 
folks will have heard waterfall instead of Ooh. witching hour, which the folks on the radio edition. Little little copyright thing of the new switch up. Yeah, well, a little copyright thing of their new uh, uh, label. No big Manager, deal. Both yeah. awesome jams. A little bit of action. Both parties will enjoy. Exactly, exactly. Man, Dave, he killed that rush quiz. So true. I, 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 I feel embarrassed for Nate from the from the dead south for how poorly he did relative yes. to Kevin. I would have gotten zero, so both people did better than that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, Dave, that doesn't surprise me. What? Uh, I I sort of knew that you weren't a huge Rush fan, so right <laughs> doesn't surprise me too much. But I, you know, being honest, I went back and I listened to the Dead South uh, interview too. I'm pretty confident if I would have given myself the quiz, hypothetically, trying to put myself in the shoes of not knowing what questions were coming. I think, honestly, I could say I would get three to four questions. Hmm. Three or four. Okay. I know I wouldn't get the last one. Nope. He, he blew me away with his knowledge on that last question about the Billboard charts and New World Man. Mm -hmm. He knew everything yeah, about yeah. what they recorded about the song, and I was like, what the... Crazy. Jeez. Too much time on his quarantine. How, how many biographies <laughs> have you read of Rush? Jesus. It's crazy, right. man crazy but i'm also very excited about getting their uh their newest album there uh he also very exciting that like he said they're putting in they're putting a polaroid in every single one of the vinyls 500 so cool. 500 vinyls and he's putting a polaroid in every one i i better not get a that's all i'm saying that's all I'm saying, Dave. If I get oh, one. Oh, man. Oh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> uh, I'm oh. kidding. I know they didn't Surprise. do that. I know they didn't do no, that. You're kidding. You'd like one. That's true. That's true. We all know it. Anyways, thanks, thanks to Crownlands for coming on the show. Fantastic, fantastic group. Check them out. Everybody's yes, saying they're amazing. Thank they are guys. amazing. Super nice guys. Thanks to Kevin for coming on. Hopefully he can come back on real soon. Uh, Dave, Dave, before we go on to our last birthday suit, I, I wanted mm -hmm. to mention something. I'm going to start something new on the show. Um, okay. And I've noticed this about the pandemic. It's it's a bit of a downer. Mm. Um, and it's not like an actual problem. So let me preface that. It's not a real issue. Mm -hmm. It's just a bit of a downer for me. And okay. uh, this, is, this is the problem. This is the conundrum. I don't have anywhere to wear my favorite shoes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really think about that until it'd been a couple of months, and I realized, you know, like normally when I wear my my nice my nice shoes, it's mm -hmm. either it's either going out with friends or yep. it's it's at the gym, the fitness mm -hmm. facility, and I don't do right. either of those because of the pandemic. So I literally have nowhere to wear my masterpieces known as my Jordans. There's nowhere to uh, show them off, right? Wham. So, so I've True. came to the conclusion, Dave, I'm just going to have to do a little show and tell, mainly tell because we're on the radio, of my J's. 
when I come into the studio. So. Yeah, you just have to say, this is what I'm wearing. Are you ready for the first pair today, Dave? What are you wearing today, buddy? I am wearing the Jordan 4s. Yes. The bread Jordan 4s or... bread edition, my friend. Let's go. Bread edition. Classic. Now, I, yeah, I just, I, you're, you're correct. I decided to come out with, uh, you know, with a banger. Some the first, fire. Yeah, the first hit, the banger. Now, um, little bit of a little bit of background for the folks that aren't Jordan uh, fanatics out there. Mm. Uh, Dave MJ wore these in the '88 '89 season. Probably the True. biggest highlight we see with these shoes was the shot over Greg Elo also known mm. as the shot yes! against Cleveland yes. to win the game. He was wearing... Fading to the left and sh- yep. shoots it over. Yep. Him. yep, yep, These yep. are the exact shoes right here, Dave, with the cement bottoms. Uh, these, of course, Whoa. were designed by Tinker Hatfield, like all the original Js. Yes! Um, everybody's got a pair, Dave. DJ Khaled wears them. Big Boy from Outcast wears them. Kid Cuddy. Wearing them. Yes! Courtney Kardashian's kid. I don't know what his name is, but he was wearing a pair. I saw a picture of Wait, him. Wait, what? Wearing a pair. <laughs> He's like eight. He's there got a go. pair of killer breads. I was like, what? You were negative 16 when he was wearing those. It's cool. Wear them. Rock them, Courtney Kardashian's kid. So. I don't have a pair of breads, but I have the military blue fours. Mmm. That's pretty nice. That's pretty. I got a couple pairs of fours. We'll see him again on the show. We'll see another pair of fours on the show. It's a little teaser for you guys out out there. Yeah, yeah. So we started out with fire. Keep it going. Next week, you don't even know what's coming. Get ready for the excitement, guys. I'm no. I don't bring your fire extinguisher. I don't want to. I don't want to build it up too much. Like I don't want to make you think I've got some kind of DJ Khaled collection. But they're not bad. Mm -hmm. They're not bad, okay? They're pretty It'll nice. last a few episodes, don't yeah. you worry. Definitely last a few episodes, <laughs> that's for sure. Okay. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, now that I've done show and tell, are you ready for the last birthday soon? Yes, sir. Okay. This one's 25%, Dave, Jeez. and really, okay. like I told you during the break, I think it could probably be more like 2 or 3%. Wow. Um I mm. will be absolutely amazed if you nail this one. Okay. okay. <laughs> Born on July 15, 1961 in Longview, uh-huh. Texas. Her mm. birthday suit wearer grew up loving sports, but he also loved mm. acting and drama. He ended mm. up getting a scholarship to Cal State Polytechnic University in Panoma. However, mm-hmm. he stopped football because of back injury, and he transferred to US, uh, USC. He studied in their music mm. conservatory and their drama conservatory. His first role mm. was in the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High as the star football player. His mm. first leading role was in Clint Eastwood's movie Bird, where he played Charlie Bird Parker. That's right. After this, he played in several movies throughout the 90s, like Crying Game, Smoke, um, but, oh, uh, Phenomenon and Ghost Dog, The Last Mm -hmm. Way of the Samurai. In 2006, he had one of his biggest roles of his life, playing Idi Amin, in The Last King of Scotland. Hmm. His performance earned an Academy Award for Best Actor. 
Most Dang, re- I didn't see that one. <laughs> m- most recently, this 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 was the one that I was like, there may be a chance. Most recently, our birthday suit wearer played Saul Guerrero hmm. in the 2016 movie Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, I didn't see that one either. Oh, no. <laughs> what? You're Star Wars guy. Come on now. I know, but the new Star Wars, I just didn't get into as much. You didn't get in? Okay. All right. I can't I can't say anything. Neither did I. Okay. Any idea? Any any idea? Nah, I don't I don't have anything. All right. Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. You ever heard that name? I I, I can I can put a face to the name. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Okay, I de- that makes sense that he played some football. Yeah, I, I had no idea that... Uh, well, I did. I had the idea. I just didn't think of it. I forgot that he was the football player in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I love Fast Times mm-hmm. at Ridgemont High. Great, great movie. Great 80s movie right there. Completely so true. didn't realize that that was Forrest Whitaker. But uh, turning the big 59. 59 almost 60. All right. Happy birthday, Forrest. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, Academy Award, 14 years, best actor. That's a, that's a short list there to get a best actor award. That's a right. short list, and he is on that list. Congratulations, Forrest. Happy birthday. Live it up, man. All right. There you go. Dave, it's time to tell you about the great shows, and I, I don't do it. I'm not going to pull any punches. We have some great shows. It's just, it's just the truth. I just can't. It is what it is. Yeah, I just can't cover it up. <laughs> Next week, we've got AJ, or uh, this Sunday, we've got AJ Smith, fantastic singer, tearing it up with the pop songs. He is the one that I told you uh, made the song Billy Joel that has been endorsed by Billy Joel himself. That's right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. He worked with Glenn Fry of the Eagles. Crazy. Right? Uh, then on the 22nd, next week, we've got Town Mountain. A fantastic band out of Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, their lead singer actually was uh, up up from my way of uh, Virginia back in the day. He uh, he lived in Roanoke. A shout out to the Star City. Lived in Roanoke uh, for a couple of years and then moved down to Asheville and just started slinging that guitar. And... And he's going to tell us how he met Tyler Childers, and they became big friends, and they still are, and they write songs together. Boom. Say there what? You go. Man. Yeah, there you go. There's a little something for you. Then, the next week after that, we've got The Wild, and we've got Picturesque. Two fantastic bands. Going to be a great time. I can't wait for it, but we're going to have to wrap up the show for now. Dave's got to go play some virtual golf, all right? So until <laughs> don't t- worry, my tea time starts whenever I want. Sweet. Nice, nice. Until next time, I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Dave Burles Berlin. Say what? Another great Wednesday show, Doc. That's mm. all I got, man. Put it in the books. Put it in the books. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah.